We are in the book of Psalms, the Psalms of Ascent, and we are up to Psalm 126. Listen to the word of the Lord. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with shouts of joy. Then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us. We are glad. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like the, like the streams in the Negev. Those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. He who goes out weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy, bringing his sheaves with him. Let's pray. Lord, this is your word, and we are grateful and amazed and humble before it. And I pray as we consider your word, you would guide all of our thoughts, guide my words, guide us as we seek you and your leading in your word. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. When you look backwards in your life, what do you see? Do you see good times that warm your heart, family, love, beauty? On the other hand, some do everything they can not to look back because it, because it hurts too much. They're afraid of what they are going to see when they look back. How about, how about projecting forward? Projecting forward, what do you expect do you, do you have good feelings about what's to come? Or does that bring fear and dread? And with what's behind you or what's ahead, how, how does your relationship to those things affect you now? This psalm looks back and it looks forwards. And this is where it lands, right in the middle. It, in the middle of the psalm, it doesn't land in the middle. In the middle of the psalm, it says, the Lord has done great things for us, and we are glad. The NIV and others translate it, we are filled with joy. It, it seems as Christians, we sometimes get characterized as one of the extremes. Either we are known for having kind of painted on smiles, that, that, that big TV grin that seems to say nothing is wrong in the world. And, and that's honestly, it's not always received that well. By most, I'd say it's not received as a, a, a real. It, it seems more like a duty than a reflection of what's really going on inside the person. On the other hand, Presbyterians, <laughs> we're kind of known characterized historically as, as being dour. 
as being severe. Do you remember that? God's frozen chosen. Ellen Glasgow tells of her father who was a Presbyterian elder. He was entirely unselfish, and in his long life, he never committed a pleasure. For, for many in the Christian world, it appears as if being overwhelmed or fatigued or right at the end of things is carried as a, as a virtue, as a, as a value. And it seems like we are often, oftentimes we are focused on, on how as Christians we are to handle hard times. And we've looked through the Psalms of Ascent to see about handling all sorts of difficult situations with, with faith and with grace. And the Psalms are great because they, they cover the whole range, the whole gamut of human emotions. And in, in, they do it with powerful, poetic images as, as song lyrics, but always in the context of faith in God. And so far, we've been primarily looking through this series at at hardship and threats with, with eyes of faith. And I can't tell you how important it is to have these psalms at hand when we face hardships in the world. Life is hard, but that's not all there is to life. All of us should have another fundamental experience of life in faith. Joy. Joy. Remember, this series of psalms are the songs of ascent. This is the playlist uh, of songs for the road trip. Uh, honestly, nothing excites me in my life more than a road trip, a good road trip. I grew up taking road trips. We lived by the beach in Southern California, but my dad loved to ski and loved the mountains. And so all my life, we, we piled in the car and weekends and holidays, and we headed seven hours up to Mammoth, 13 hours up to Sun Valley, 20 plus hours up to Colorado. And I was the youngest kid by, by a few years. And so I was always thrown in the back. And I was, or the middle seat, depending on the car that we had at the time. And in that area, uh, era, I don't remember a whole lot about seat belts. I do remember laying on top of a whole bunch of luggage for those long drives. But always, I loved it. I loved it. Being on the road always had good associations and a, and a sense of adventure, and I still love a good road trip. The joy of being together in something, the beauty along the way, and the expectation or the memory of the destination. It's all exciting, and it brings joy to my heart. I can imagine the ancient Israelites' excitement of going from their much smaller towns around Israel to the big central city high up on the hill. To the, to the bustling festival crowd, seeing and seeing that magnificent temple high up on the mount. And in a much more significant aspect of the Psalms of Ascent, they are going to see God with the rest of the extended family. 
Eugene Peterson describes this sense of excitement in the journey of, a, of the Christian life. One of the, one of the delightful discoveries along the way of Christian discipleship is how much enjoyment there is. How much laughter you hear. How much sheer fun you find. The heart of the psalm is right in the middle. Verse 3. We are glad. We are filled with joy. The, the, the gladness, the joy, it's present now. And this psalm describes the source of their present joy. It looks back in verses 1 and 2. It describes the past. It's all in the past tense. And verses 4 through 6 describe the future. It's future tense. We are glad now because of both the past and the future. The past. The background of this joy is only alluded to here. The great things God has done, that's on every page of Scripture. He, he's pointing to the whole history of salvation from the promise to Abraham to slaves in Egypt running up the far side of the Red Sea in singing with the song, I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. Horse and rider, he's thrown into the sea. They are free. To David overcoming all odds against the mighty Philistine. To Israel moving from the trauma and tragedy of being taken captive into Babylon, but hearing the words of the prophet, comfort. Comfort my people. And the words and, and promises of the prophet soaring into joy from there. And from our vantage point to the promise of God finally being fulfilled beyond measure in the incarnation, the saving death, and the overcoming resurrection of Jesus. Each act it's like a dream. It couldn't happen, but it did. They are memories. They are memories that we nurture. And, and so we go up to Jerusalem again and again to remember, to celebrate, and enjoy with festivals. And we do it each week at this table that's set before us. For this is what you see when you look back. God. You see God's steadfast love and faithfulness. You see his hand working his redemption, his salvation everywhere. Chances are you couldn't see it very well in the moment. But looking back, wow. Joy is also nurtured in looking forward forward with anticipation of the promises of God being fulfilled. Peterson says, just as joy builds on the past, it borrows from the future. Two images in this psalm kind of fix that hope. The first is the water courses of the Negev. That, that's, that part of Israel, the Negev, is, is desert. It is dry, arid land in the south part of Israel. It's, it's the wilderness in which the Israelites 
wandered for 40 years. It's where Masada and the Dead Sea are. And the watercourses are, are, are networks of ditches and valleys that are cut into the dirt by wind and, and water erosion. And most of the year, they are baked dry by, by hot sun. It's truly desert sand. But when it rains, when it rains, blossoms explode. And there's, there's something special about desert blossoms. The second image is sowing with tears and reaping with joy. Farmers sow into into barren earth into the hopes of a harvest, sowing into dry ground. It's it's hard work. It's, It's sweat and tears and hope. Our tears are sown into barrenness, but they bear fruit. That's the hope. Peterson also says, all suffering, all pain, all emptiness, all disappointment is seed. Sow it in God. He will finally bring a crop of joy from it. It's it's clear the psalmist was acquainted with grief as was the people of Israel from the time of the patriarch. This psalmist's current circumstance is not good. His looking back and looking forward comes with a plea for now. Restore our fortunes, O Lord. He's writing from a place of needing God's help. And and in that regard, the lesson for Christians is, is that joy does not preclude tears. That, that crying does not mean there is no joy. Joy and sorrow coexist in believers. Paul describes how as believers, we don't grieve as those who have no hope. He also writes from prison in Rome to the Philippians, telling them to rejoice and be content in all circumstances. Hope and grief coexists in Christians, as they did in Jesus, who, who Jesus partied with the best of them, and he, he got in trouble for it. But he also cried when his friend died, and, and in the moment when he was overwhelmed by the faithfulness of his beloved Jerusalem, he broke down in grief. Knowing the reality of sin and death in the world does not mean that we cannot also know joy because joy is a consequence of our faith. I'll come back to that in a moment, but first I also want to note it's a bad strategy to try and achieve joy by eliminating everything that hurts. It, It doesn't work. We do try it. We try not taking risks in relationships. We try surrounding ourselves with all forms of security. It's like building a wall around ourselves so that nothing bad can come in. Or are we buying our way to joy with vacations and entertainment? I, I love those things, but we cannot buy joy by finding a way to escape pain and boredom or the hard questions and realities of life, or just all that's wrong with the world. 
The problem is those responses, seeking joy by, by eliminating everything else, those responses also cut us off from the true and final source of joy, our faith in God. So joy, this kind of joy, the joy that can live in us in all circumstances, this joy comes from seeing and being part of God's work, of what he is doing in the world and what he's done in our lives. Sometimes it, it, it doesn't look like much now, like, like sowing seeds in a barren wilderness. It doesn't look like much. But God makes it rain in his time. The rain is his working redemption. He will come and make everything right in his time. That image of rain, it, it reminded me of the image of Jesus praying in the garden just before his death. Luke describes his anguish such that his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. We know as Christians, we are washed clean by the blood of the Lamb. And the seeds are given life by God and sprout and flower and are beautiful, beautiful like blooms in a desert. I love how Peterson pictures this here. There is plenty of suffering on both sides, past and future. This joy comes because God knows how to wipe away tears. And, and in his resurrection work, create a, a, the smile of new life. Joy is what God gives, not what we work up. Laughter is the delight that things are working together for the good to them that love God, not the giggles that, that betray the nervousness of a precarious defense system. The joy that develops in the Christian way of discipleship is an overflow of spirit that comes from feeling good, not about yourself, but about God. That's why joy can coexist with suffering and hardship in the Christian because it's not dependent upon us, but upon God. And everything of our past in God and of our future in God gives us joy. Paul Selhammer said, joy is that deep, settled confidence that God is in control of every area of my life including the past and the future. Our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with shouts of joy. In the end, joy is a characteristic, a sign of those on the way of salvation, of the pilgrimage of faith. Pastor Sam Shoemaker said, the surest mark of a Christian is not faith or even love, but joy. Wow, I read that years ago when I was in high school, and it still strikes me. It's always struck me that water into wine was the first miracle of Jesus. It was said of 
the Hasid, Levi, Yitzhak of Berdichev, his smiles were fraught with greater meaning than his sermons. St. Francis was alleged to have said, preach the gospel at all times when necessary, use words. Peterson said the same thing can be said of much of the Bible. Its smiles carry more meaning than its sermons. Think of this for a moment. Think of all the festivals in the Old Testament, multiple parties built into the Hebrew people's lives every year. Joy. Not, not to say that joy is a moral requirement of the Christian life. Our experiences of pain and sorrow are real, and they are not to be discounted. That pain and sorrow is not evidence that your faith is not strong enough or that God is not real and working. Joy is not a requirement of the Christian life, but it is a consequence of it. It's not a means to walking the Christian life. It's not the way that we earn favor with God. It is the result of the favor God has for us. So in the midst of all the hard realities, we we cannot manufacture this joy within ourselves. We couldn't make it up, even even if we have to. Uh, Although we do try, we be... We've become an entertainment culture, searching for that wow feeling. And, and that's what hours on YouTube, many, many, many of you don't know what I'm saying right there, but some of you do. Those hours of YouTube looking for that, that feeling, but it only lasts for a moment, and then it, then it goes away. Real joy comes from abundance and overflow of God. Tim Hansel describes it like this. We are sitting on a miracle and we don't recognize it. God has given us everything we need to be happy. Joy comes when you see that. Joy comes when you see it. Tim Hansel also tells a story that speaks to the source of joy in God. He writes, there's a There's a powerful story of a young man who was desperately seeking God. He sought out a wise old man who lived in a nearby beach house and posed the question, old man, how can I see God? And the old man who obviously knew God at a depth few of us experience pondered the question for a very long time. And at last he responded quietly, young man, I'm not sure that I can help you, for you see, I have a very different problem. I cannot not see him. The psalmist looks back, and he looks forward, and he sees God. And despite the hardship and the need of the moment, he is glad. He's filled with joy. When you look back on your lives, when you look forward, what do you see? For myself, I've, I'm coming to a point in my life when I recognize that there's, <laughs> there's more behind me than there is in front of me. And, and that not, not that I don't keep looking forward. 
I just have a lot that I can look back at. And I think of my relationship with looking back. What do I see? I see joy at God's hand. I see his prevenient grace working redemption before I even see it. Looking forward, Chip, looking forward, I know the hardship of growing older is it's only gonna get worse. But so also is the knowledge of the presence of God until I am with him in fullness, face to face. I pray you can see in the midst of and through everything else that you can see God present, working and loving every step of the way. And right now, you can be glad. Because if you know where you've been, and you know where you're going, and you see God in all of it, you will have joy now. You'll have joy wherever you're at, in the middle of it all. Let's pray. Lord, it's so easy to just see what's in front of us and behind us, before us, and, and, and only see it without seeing you. And God, it can be overwhelming and disconcerting and lead to every anxiety we could imagine. But God, help us to see you. Help us to see how you've been there all along. In, in the past, throughout history, and in the past of our own lives. And that we can trust and have faith that you are with us every step into our future. And that as hard as things may be and hard, as hard as things are and may get, Lord, you are there, and our joy is in you, and our hope is in your promises, and it makes us glad right now. God, give us those eyes of faith, and we will see your love, your son, your presence, your salvation. God, thank you. Thank you for your word. Guide us in it, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.